0: Let's pray. Lord, as we heard in that song, that we are saved truly, completely by your grace. And because of your amazing love, and, and we pray that we can learn in a deeper way how to respond to that love, to respond to your grace, and to understand um, how does you desire for us to, to work as we live out our days on this planet. So bless us in this series called God's Hiring. Help us to see more clearly the calling that you have for each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we kick off the series, um, God is Hiring, Are You Ready to Work for Him? There's a scripture that I want to have us read ag- again. We've heard it in the epistle reading, but I want us to read it together from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10. through when it comes up on the screen. It'll say it together. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, In this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're going to be talking about a word that so often is misconstrued in Christianity, and that word is work. The key is to have the right balance when it comes to that word, because some people think they're saved by their works, And some people are afraid to talk about works because they think that if you talk about it, people are going to think that they are saved by it, and so you talk talk only about grace. And so we're going to be talking about balance, and that's going to be the main focus of the sermon for today. And I want to talk about some of the most important work that has been done for us. And that's the work that God has done for us. And the reason we're here today is because of God's work in creation. I exist because of the work of creation that God has done. That's point one that I want you to To realize, we're not here by some freak chance of of nature. Okay, we didn't come here through evolution. You know, I have a hard time believing how people can even embrace that whole concept when you think about outer space. That there's nothing can live out in outer space. You got rocks that are colliding and banging together, supposedly formed planets, and from those planets, life comes from that. Um, And then eventually, you know, complex life like we are. You know, more and more even atheist scientists are coming out realizing it couldn't just happen by itself. The word they're using is called intelligent design. They won't give credit to God. It's called it intelligent design. You ask them, well, then, who's the intelligent designer? They, they can't give you an answer. The bottom line is, I think it's important to give credit where credit is due. God is a creator of the universe. God is a creator of you and me. We're not here by, you know, accident. God planned for us. He loved us. We're here. Everything we own, everything that's in our possession ultimately is a gift from him. In fact, the word ownership for us is probably one that should go away. We really are managers of what God has placed in our care. And the more that we realize that, the more we're going to enjoy what God has blessed us with. And what he's blessed us with is not going to control us. For a lot of people, they're controlled by the things of this life. God wants to be free. He wants to have a great life now. And the key is to realize our role as managers. And so that's the first thing I want you to realize is because of God's work in creation, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are here in existence. But we exist in a sinful world. There's sin all around us, problems, challenges. You hear about terrible tragedies almost every week that happen here and around the world caused by sin and we have this sinful condition and the second work I want to talk about is this it talks about it's all about God's grace I'm not saved by the work I do but by the work that God does for me and has done for me the first part of Ephesians chapter 2 said, For by grace you are saved through faith. This not of yourselves is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's pretty clear right there. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by the work that God did for us in Jesus Christ. That Jesus came, He lived that perfect life. He came that first Christmas. He grew up. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's here with us now. And through faith in Him, our sins are forgiven, and we are on the way to heaven. When our time is up here, we're going to a better place, not because of the work that we've done, but because of the work that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And I want to make sure that we understand this, especially as Lutheran Christians. I think we talk a lot about grace, and that's important. And it's all based on the work that God has done for us. But there's still something in our human condition that kind of says, there has to be something that I need to do. Has to be something. In fact, point three is this. How do I know that I cannot save myself by my works? How do I know that? Well, God has kind of laid out a pretty clear delineation of two main things in life. There's love and there's sin. Sin is living outside the bounds of what? Love. Jesus made it very simplistic when he said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And to make it clear, he gave us the Ten Commandments, which really is about love. Sometimes we think if we get commandments or rules, it's not about love. But in this case, it's truly about love. And you think about the Ten Commandments. You break them down. The first three commandments talk about loving God. The next seven talk about loving your neighbor. What does love look like, the first commandment? You shall shall have no other gods before me. Love is putting God first in all areas of life. And as you do that, as you put God first in all areas of your life, guess what? Everything gets better. God is always God, whether we realize it or not. He's always in control. Let Him be in control. Let Him direct your life and things get a lot better. And the rest of the commandments flow from that. The second commandment, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does that mean? Ultimately, what it means is that we should honor God in what we say, what we do. That's what love looks like, honoring God in our life, in our words, our actions, even our thoughts. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. What does love look like? It looks like what you're doing right now. You come together to worship God each week, praise him, thank him for who he is and, and what he's done for us. And then set aside a day each week where you kind of slow down to rest from the work that you normally do during the week, and and then on that day get refocused on what really matters the most. Recalibrate your life to make sure it's truly focused on Jesus Christ. That's what love for God looks like. Love for your neighbor. What does it look like? Honor your father and your mother. When? Always. The fifth commandment, do not murder. Respect the life of all people at all times. All lives matter. Okay? All lives do matter to God. They should matter to us. The sixth commandment do not commit adultery. That God intends for, for sex to be used in a context for which He put it all in place to be used in the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. The seventh commandment you shall not steal. Ultimately, that what we in life should respect the property of others. The eighth commandment talks about the importance of lifting people up, not tearing people down, not being a false witness, but telling the truth and, and raising people up to be the best they can be for God's glory. And the ninth and tenth commandments, do not covet, which means learn to be content with what God has blessed you with. Look at all the people around you, maybe sometimes it's even us, that go through life thinking, I want this and that, I'm gonna be happy, and I won't get happy until I get those things. Look at what you have now and realize how blessed we are right now. We're abundantly blessed this very moment. If we live in these ways, in these boundaries, that's love. And I want to make it clear. We can break these commandments in our what? Thoughts, words, and deeds. And most of the sinning goes on in our thoughts. And if we're honest, when we look at those commandments, they're a curb, they're a mirror, and a guide, we see that, you know, we so often are breaking those commandments it's kind of like you know, driving down an icy road in the Midwest, and you slide, you hit the curb, and the law kind of can sometimes bang you right back in the right direction. There's consequences when we break God's laws. It's a mirror. You look into God's perfect law, you see yourself for who you really are. It's a guide, because the law guides us to the only one who can take away our sins. The law guides us to Jesus, and then once we go to Jesus, the law guides us on how to, to work for God in the right way. But if we base our lives in the law, we fall short. And here's the reality. Every single one of us in the sanctuary right now, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. Which comes back to point two. We're saved by God's work. We're saved by his grace, not by our works. In Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved. Okay, if you believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose, if you believe that right now, that's not a fairy tale, that's real, if Jesus came back right now, you're going to heaven. And I want you to understand that. It's not by your works, it's by what Jesus has done for you. Okay? It doesn't stop there. Here's what I see across the spectrum of Christianity our Lutheran Christian faith focuses a lot on salvation by grace, right? That's really important. But I think sometimes there's this fear of talking about what? Works, because then if people hear you talk about works, then they might think they're saved by their what? Works. But are works important? Yeah, for the right reason. Other branches of Christianity talk so much about works that a lot of their people believe they're saved by their What? works that's too far the other direction the key is a proper theological balance of law and gospel of understanding how God's word comes together we're saved by God's work right but our actions in life the work we do is not to earn our salvation the work that we do for God should be in response to the work he's done for us which is point four we work in thankfulness and response for the work that God has done for us Notice in Ephesians 2, 8 through, through 10, the first part talks about saved by grace, not by works. What does verse 10 say? It's, it's the, It follows the grace part. Once we realize we're saved by grace, not by our works... It goes on to say, then we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And what that's saying is that having been saved, knowing that we're saved by God's work, we are now called to be the workmanship of God, to be his representatives, to let the rest of the world know about this amazing truth of God's grace and his love for us. He wants us to get involved in the process. Not out of guilt Not by law, but because we want to in thankfulness and praise. And that's the proper reason for living out works for God. It's an offering of thanksgiving to him. I want to go back to our gospel lesson. It talks about a guy named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. What kind of tax collector was he? Chief tax collector. Big difference, okay? Tax collectors in that day and age, they were rich. You know why? Because they ripped the people off. They were allowed to collect a certain amount of money for the Roman government, but then they could charge whatever they wanted over that amount for themselves. And by the indication in that text, when Zacchaeus paid back four times the amount, what does that imply? He was charging them what? Four times the amount of tax. And so, in other words, if he was asking for 100 bucks in tax, or if the Roman government was owed 100 bucks, he was asking for 500. Pretty corrupt, right? Any reason why the people hate the tax collectors? They were despised. The only friends tax collectors had were tax collectors and, and maybe the, the poor people that they paid money to do the things they weren't supposed to do. And, and so Zacchaeus, so in the midst, it's a wealthy man. So chief tax collector, he's not only getting his own taxes collected from people. He's got a whole bunch of people working for him, and he's getting a slice of all the money they're collecting. This guy is extremely wealthy. He might be the wealthiest guy in that whole town and probably the most hated guy. And so Jesus is coming through the town, and there's all kinds of people everywhere, and Zacchaeus sees what's going on, and obviously something isn't right inside of him. He's empty. A lot of people want to be a Zacchaeus. They want to have all that wealth, but he's miserable. He's miserable. He's looking for something else. He's looking for Jesus. And being as short as he was, he's getting lost in a crowd. So he ran ahead of the parade route, got up in a sycamore tree, and Jesus comes along. And, and all these people, and he walks up to Zacchaeus and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. Now imagine the reaction of the people around. They all knew who Zacchaeus was. It says they were ticked off, okay? They began to whine and complain. They began to mutter, is what the text says. They muttered, he's going to the home of this terrible sinner. The muttering changed quick. Let me tell you why. Because Zacchaeus invited Jesus into his house. In his house, he became a believer. Salvation came to him that day. The love of Jesus filled him. And not only did he come to faith in, in that one day, he began to immediately work for Jesus. And he says, I'm taking half of my great wealth and I'm going to give it to the poor. And anybody I've wronged, I'm going to pay him back how many times over? Four times over. The people that were muttering, they soon were celebrating because a huge tax rebate was coming their way and all the poor in that community were all of a sudden fed and taken care of. That whole community was changed in one day. Do you think Jesus intentionally went to Zacchaeus? Was that an accident? No. It was intentional. It was all part of his strategic plan. And what we see in this is is how when God's love fills you, you cannot contain yourself. When God's love fills you more and more, and the more that love fills you, the more you want to respond in your works. And that's what God calls us to do. Zacchaeus' life you know, maybe different than ours. You got to see Jesus face to face. We'll get to see Jesus face to face in heaven. But we have his word and we have his Holy Spirit. And our journeys, every one of us may have our own journeys. And our journeys may not always go the way that we expect. And sometimes it could be a long process. Sometimes there's ups and downs, there's peaks and there's valleys. It might not be a one-day conversion like Zacchaeus. Maybe a lot of you believe for as long as you can remember. You know, I've shared parts of my story before and I'd I went to worship and Sunday school my all the way through my high school years, but it wasn't until after my senior year where I finally came to believe in Jesus through some people in my youth group. And I remember how excited I was when I came to faith. And it wasn't just a couple months after that I felt God's calling for me to become a pastor. That was not even ever on my radar screen before that time. And I went to Concordia College and went on to seminary. I had my internship. Um, in Denver, Colorado area, finished up seminary, went to Rochester, New York, and served out there, went to Salt Lake City area, served there, went to Phoenix in the 90s and served at Christ Church in Phoenix, went back to Michigan, um, and now I'm here. And this was never my plan. You know, I never envisioned growing up in Minnesota, I'd be living in Scottsdale, Arizona someday, and I tell you, I love living here, it's a great place to live, and, but um, the awesome thing is seeing what God does in spite of me seeing what God does in spite of the sinful human condition, to see what he can accomplish through people. But it hasn't always been easy. There's good times and there's challenging times. I can honestly say about two and a half years ago, I probably went through the darkest days of my life. Professionally, personally, I never had so much doubt. I never felt so poorly about myself. Um, I was intending, I thought maybe I need to leave the ministry And, But during those dark days, and David talks about going through the valley of the shadow of death, I felt like I was in that valley. But I was visited by God more strongly than I ever have experienced him in my life, in that pit, in that valley. And I realized how God works for people and the people he sent to walk alongside of me and direct me. And even during my sabbatical, as I visited other churches, I'd be sitting listening to a sermon, and I'm thinking... How that pastor knows things about me? It's like, I felt like, ever feel like you're getting a personal sermon, like they're all getting directed right at you? Um, that was happening to me time and time again. And I just felt his amazing love. And, and as I came through this valley, what I began to realize is, is not just his love, but his desire for us to have a great life now. I always thought, yeah, he wants to have a great life in heaven, but he wants us to start now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. And I realize that, and I want, I guess, I feel like my eyes are more open than they ever have been before. I I look into God's Word, and it's more alive to me than it ever has been. And I look at the world, and my heart breaks even more because I see a world of, of people so often heading in the wrong direction. I see younger generations growing up without even knowing the Word of God at all, and it breaks my heart to see a decline in Christianity in our country. And even where there is Christianity happening, what I see so often is a shallow Christianity. See, Jesus never said, just make church members. He said what? Make what? Disciples. And that's the calling of the series. A call to discipleship. God is hiring. Are you ready to work for Him? It's a calling to a, do deeper and stronger things to make a difference, do things that have eternal significance. And, and God has a story for each one of us. And it's an incredible story. But the key is for us to have our ears and hearts open to what his story is for us. There's a verse I want to read to you from John chapter 6. The words of Jesus. 27 says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of God will give you. <clears throat> On him God is, the Father has placed a seal of approval. When they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Two things. Number one, the most important work was done by Jesus. And for us, to believe that, okay, to believe that. The second thing is to work for food that endures to eternal life. A lot of people, all they're doing in this life is going after things that come and go. Temporary things. When God has a higher calling, He wants us to be involved in doing things that have eternal significance. And the more that we do that, the more our life is going to have meaning and purpose. And in closing, I want to share with you some things that are going to be happening as a result of the series. We're, we're going to be—it's going to be an interactive series. I want you to see some things are coming up next um, week in worship. You're going to be multitasking, okay? And what that means is even during the message, during times in the, in the service next week, you're going to be filling out a spiritual gift survey. Maybe some of you have done this before, but we're going to all find out, again, what, how has God specially equipped me to do work for him. Every one of us is wired differently. And that's going to happen next week. We're encouraging everyone to consider being a part of the Bible challenge to try to at least do the express part of it, to read through the main parts of the chorus the next year. The more that our congregation grows in God's word will be in direct proportion to the strength of how we make a difference in this world, to grow deeper in God's word. The third thing is, if you are a guest with us, we want to encourage you to become a deeper part of our family. And we really want to encourage you to come either on the 22nd or the 29th to one of our starting point classes. Bachelor's on Sunday on the 29th on the mountain View campus if you have not been baptized I encourage you to do so or maybe invite somebody there was somebody at eight o'clock service today that i saw he invited five people to the last one five family members that were baptized two of them were his, his um adult kids and then three were his grandkids five on the fifth of february every year on super bowl sunday what do we do We collect non-perishable food items. We're going to bring them to worship. We're going to stack up the front of the sanctuary here. We're going to stock our food pantry because every year we we feed hundreds of people through our food pantry in our community. And then on the 25th of February, we're going to have a congregational workday. It's a Saturday. We're going to have a bunch of different opportunities for us to serve. And a main thrust is going to be in inner-city Phoenix. We're working with a pastor of a ministry called New City Phoenix. We're going to help renovate. We're going to paint homes. We're going to clean up communities. Um, Be aware of that day. I want to encourage you to set that day aside um, for a day of service for our community. And I guarantee it's going to be a lot of fun. And then the last thing is on March 19th, a Saturday, we're going to have a discipleship seminar. Not a seminary, seminar. (laughs) That sounds a little scary, seminary. Um, And so we encourage you to be a part of that. It's going to be putting together a spiritual plan for your life. We're going to help you take an evaluation form and then design a spiritual plan for your life to keep growing in your faith. And so our goal is, is to take this seriously. You know, God has a great plan for each and every one of us. We are here because of God's work of creation. It's not an accident. We are saved. We're going to heaven because God's work of salvation, in Jesus Christ. We're here to lead people to follow Jesus. that Jesus is all about work, we're about work too, but in response to what Jesus has done for us and who he is. And my prayer for each one of us, and a lot of things are go- going on, a lot of great things, but that God's gonna lead our ministry, of our church and school, each of our lives to a higher level of doing things that have eternal significance. God is hiring. Are you ready to work for him? Let's pray. Oh, one more thing, one more thing. Say it. When you leave today, you're gonna get a button, okay? But if you take a button, you have to what? You have to wear it, Okay. And I warn you, people might ask you questions. What does that mean? So why don't you start thinking about what you're going to say? It might open some great opportunities to, to share your faith. But if you're not quite ready for that, to, for, you, you can, I'll give you a cop-out thing. You can, say, you can say, well, our church is doing a series. Why don't you come next Sunday and check it out or Saturday? Um, but I guarantee this could start some discussion. So I encourage you to pick one of these up on the way out and to work this week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your work of salvation. Lord God, thank you for your work of creation. We are here. We are blessed. We're on a journey to heaven because of your work. There's nothing more important than this. And I pray that we realize in our life that we are here to be your workmanship. It's all about you, not about us. Help us be more open to the plan you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.